Hi, I'm Michael. And I'm Steph. Today's second Bible reading is from John chapter 21, verses 1 to 25. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred metres. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of all this, the rumour spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Hi, my name's John, and we're finally at the end of the Gospel of John. It's been a long time going, so good on you for persevering, and it's a wonderful Gospel, isn't it? Well, grab your Bibles, let's pray once more, and we'll have a look at this wonderful story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story recorded down for us. 
that shows us the work of Jesus in the heart of the Apostle Peter. And we pray, Lord, that you might help us see how you can continue to do such work in our hearts today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of my favorite hymns is one by Robert Robinson. He was born in 1735 in Norfolk, in England, and he had a difficult upbringing. His father died when he was only nine, and so he grew up without a loving father. His maternal grandfather disinherited him because he couldn't reconcile with his mother. And so as a young boy growing up, it wasn't easy at all. His education was limited. He had to be the breadwinner for his widowed mother. And as a young man, he got mixed with the wrong crowds and gangs and made terrible choices. But then as a 20-year-old young man in 1755, he came under the teaching of George Whitfield, the great preacher, and he came to believe in Jesus Christ. He realized that he's been wandering away and he had to come back to Jesus. And only two years later, after becoming a Christian, at 22 years of age, as a young man, he penned the words of that great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It makes you think, doesn't it? When I was 22 years old, I wasn't doing anything that important at all. Well, that hymn was like an autobiography of his life. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. You see, in his life, he's gone wayward. He made mistakes, but yet Jesus sought him out to bring him back. And on one level, that's also the story we see in this passage. And so let me ask you, have you ever felt so guilty because you said something you shouldn't, you did something you shouldn't, or you made a promise you couldn't keep? You've let people down, you've betrayed someone's trust, you deeply hurt a friend. Or have you ever felt so burdened in your heart because you did something so terribly wrong and you know it? And you feel deeply ashamed of it. Have you ever regretted not standing up for what is right and good and true? And it continues to weigh on your heart. And it makes you feel like a failure. Well, that was what Peter would have felt. And this is the story of Jesus seeking him out to bring him back. Just like in that hymn. To reinstate him. To recommission him. And as we consider this story... I want you to ask yourself, where are you in life now? Are your eyes fixed on Jesus with clarity and conviction on who you're living for? Or could you be at this very moment in time, like Robert Robinson, a bit wayward, wandering, carrying a guilt you can't shake off, overwhelmed by shame you just can't hide, or perhaps even just a a foot gone wrong, but you know you're headed off in the wrong direction. Because wherever you are, however you are in life, I suspect we'll all at some point, just because we're fickle, we'll all at some point be feeling a bit like Peter or feeling a bit like the hymn writer, Robert Robinson. But then just like in that hymn, Jesus sought me wandering from the fold of God. And so let's have a look at this story. Now, if you're a careful reader of this story, you'll see that from Peter's perspective, so much of what was happening that morning 
would have felt like deja vu for him. You know, deja vu, experiencing something you've experienced in the past or seeing something you've seen in the past. And it makes, it makes you wonder, why was the Apostle John so meticulous in giving all the details of what happened that morning? And why did he choose to end his gospel with this story? Well, I think there's an important reason for that. So let's have a look. Well, the first thing we notice, and the first thing you might have picked up, is where they were and what they were doing. They were by the Sea of Tiberias, that is, the Sea of Galilee, and they were fishing. Now, when have you seen that before? Well, it was when Jesus first met Peter and the disciples by the Sea of Galilee and fishing. And I don't think it was accidental at all that the story of John ends this way. Have a look at verse 3. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but they caught nothing. Now, wouldn't that feel a bit like deja vu for Peter? Now, it might just be that catching fish is hard anyway, but I, I think there's a point to all of this. Because look at what happened next. Look at verses 4 to 6. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Well, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Then they did. They were unable to hoard a net because of the large number of fish. Now, hasn't that happened before? You know, a bit like deja vu. And the first time it happened was when Jesus also said to them, I'll make you fishers of men. It's bringing back memories here. And so I wonder whether this deja vu experience on the same stretch of shore was hinting at something, was perhaps hinting at a new beginning for Peter, going back and starting again, but now with new eyes of faith opened by the years of experience with Jesus. And so here we see the deja vu of fishing, but now there's the deja vu of getting out of the boat and stepping out into the sea. Now do you remember when that last happened for Peter? Well, it was night time. It was stormy. The disciples, they saw Jesus and they thought it was a ghost. They were terrified. And Peter, seeing Jesus walk on water, what did he do? Well, he stepped into the sea, walked on water, but then began to sink. And you may sense that deja vu experience again. Here, he throws himself into the sea, though it's perhaps a lot shallower. Look, look at verse 7. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Only this time he didn't sink. And again, I wonder whether that experience was accidental. He didn't do too well when he stepped out of the boat last time. Perhaps again, it's a hint of a new beginning for Peter. And so here you see the fishing trip, the stepping into the sea, now there's another, another deja vu experience of eating a meal with Jesus. And here there are a few things that may have triggered some good memories and some that would have triggered some bad memories. Look at verse 9. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. 
Now, what do you think may have been triggered in Peter's mind? Well, it was only about a week earlier. You wonder whether that smell of burning coals from the beach would have still haunted him. The smell of coal because it was on that darkest of nights, remember? By the burning coals that he denied his Lord. But then we see the invitation of Jesus to join him for breakfast. Look at verse 12. Come have breakfast with me. But this meal, not in the shroud of darkness hidden in the upper room, but now in the brightness of the day out in the open. And what did I eat? Bread and fish. Now, of course, that's the staple. But it's hard to deny that that would have triggered some memories in their minds. Look at verses 13 to 14. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. You see, the breaking of bread, eating of fish. Perhaps here again, it reminded them of how Jesus provided for the 5,000 and the 4,000 and the many meals they ate together. And so here we see fishing at Galilee, Peter stepping into the sea, the charcoal fire, the meals with Jesus, the bread and fish. Do you think it's all a coincidence? Well, I wonder whether this revisiting of old experiences, the memories that it would have brought back, the old feelings of failure and guilt and shame, I wonder whether it's hinting at something new with Jesus, a new beginning with Jesus, and setting up the scene for what will happen next. Because what will happen next? What did happen? Well, what happened was exactly what Peter needed. Jesus sought him out like a wanderer and brought him back like that hymn. You see, all those deja vu experiences would have brought back memories of how he doubted when he stepped into the sea and started to sink. The first time Jesus said to him, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Or perhaps feelings of how he was rebuked by Jesus. When he wanted to stop Jesus from going to the cross, Jesus rebuked him. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Or of how he was rebuked by even God the Father himself at the transfiguration of Jesus. When he thought, it will be a good idea, let me build a tent for Elijah, Moses and Jesus. He was rebuked by God the Father who said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. You don't place him on the same level as Moses and Elijah. Or of how he completely misunderstood Jesus. When he said to Jesus, don't wash my feet, Jesus said, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Or of even how he failed so miserably to keep his promise. When he declared, I would even die for you, Jesus. But then the rooster crowed and he disowned his Lord three times. And there's more. He failed to keep watch when his Lord was praying. He violently cut off Malchus's ear. The one who was called the rock showed himself to be no rock at all. And so how would you feel if your memories only remind you of failure and defeat and shame and guilt? What do you need when your memories remind you of failure and defeat and shame and guilt? Well, what we would need was what Peter got here. Because look at how gently Jesus dealt with a failed disciple. Never once did Jesus demean him, 
crushed his spirit, abandoned him, excluded him, cast him out, dismissed him, treated him less than a true friend. Instead, Jesus pursued him, dealt with him gently, lovingly, and taught him grace. Not by your willpower, Peter. Not by your effort, Peter. Not by what you can do, Peter. But only by grace will you be one of mine. And so when Jesus addressed him this time, do you notice how? Look at verse 15. When he had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Now when did Jesus last use that? Well, it was at the very beginning when Jesus first called him to follow him. You see, Jesus asked him now three questions that gets him at the heart of any relationship with Jesus. It's not whether, will you be good, Peter? Will you be moral or bold, Peter, or courageous, Peter? But it is a question of first importance. Do you love me? Three times, verses 15, 16, and 17. And each time, what did Peter say? Lord, you know I do. Three times, verses 15, 16, and 17. And so do you see what was happening here? A disciple who denied his master was not shunned, was not dismissed or cast out, but gently, lovingly given a new beginning. And just as he denied his Lord three times, he is now graciously given the opportunity to reaffirm his love for Jesus three times. You see, Jesus, just like in that hymn, sought him out like a wanderer and brought him back. And how is it that he is to express his love for Jesus? Verse 15, feed my lambs. Verse 16, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, feed my sheep. That is, love for the people of God is love for Jesus. You love Jesus by loving the people of God. Serve the church of God. And Peter... He did go on to do exactly that, one of the pillars of the early church. But his love will eventually cost him his life. And that's true discipleship. Costly, sacrificial and cross-bearing. Look at verse 18. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And tradition has it that under the Emperor Nero, when it came for Peter to be crucified, he asked to be crucified upside down because he did not count himself worthy to die in the same way as his Lord. You see, with all the experiences and memories that morning, there's one more deja vu experience. And it was to hear the sweet words of Jesus once again. Look at verse 19. Then he said to him, follow me. His failure was not the last word, but to follow me. And I wonder whether that's why John ended his gospel with this story. A disciple who wandered off, who failed miserably while Jesus was with him, did not wander too far for Jesus to bring him back, did not, did not fall too low for Jesus to bring him up again, and he was given a new beginning. And isn't that the same message for us today as well? 
And so let me now ask you the same question I asked you at the beginning. Where are you in life now? Stained by some sin, some mistake that you just can't shake off? Burdened by a guilt that just eats at you inside? Haunted by some memory that pops up again and again and again like deja vu? Are you prone to wander just even a little? Or are you prone to leave the God you love? You see what Peter's experience here teaches us? Well, what it teaches us is firstly, we can look at our mistakes differently. As desperate as we might be in our failures, as deep-seated in our shame, as overburdened by guilt, we have a Lord who deals graciously and gently with us. And it'll be that same question he would ask us, Do you love me still? Will you follow me still? And so perhaps today is the day for some of you you used to go to church, but you don't anymore. You used to be on fire. You had a passion for Jesus, but you don't anymore. You used to pray, but you don't anymore. And so perhaps today is the day for, for you to recommit and reaffirm your love for Jesus. Don't go wandering off anymore. But Jesus has come to seek you out and to bring you back and to say, Will you follow me? And secondly, what Peter's experience teaches us is is that we have to see the mistakes of others differently. Jesus did not hold our past against us, but will we against one another? Jesus always deals with us gently and graciously when we fail, but will we with one another? For all our mistakes and folly and shame, Jesus gave us room to understand and grow in grace, and so will we for another. And so the question again, where are you in life now? The hymn writer, Robert Robinson, later in life, he, he did wander off again a bit, even though he became a minister. And there's this story of him as an older man. The story goes that he was traveling in a stagecoach. And a young lady on the coach, she began to sing a hymn. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. And when she finished singing, she asked Robert, what do you think about that hymn? And do you know what he said? He replied, Madam, I am the unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them, if I could feel now as I felt then. You see, he also wrote late in his hymn, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. He is my heart. O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And so we are prone to wonder. But where are you in life now? Wandering from the Lord you love? Being a bit like Peter? Or perhaps even saying to Jesus, Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy cords above. Let's pray.